Today's retail market is rapidly changing. This year, gain the skills you need to grow your business and learn how to make a profit-focused strategy for the future. The NHPA Retail Management Certification Program will provide you with college-level training on everything from business strategy and financial management to marketing, merchandising, operations, and more. Classes are taught by successful retailers, industry experts, and collegiate professors. Don't wait. Classes start soon. Apply by July 1st to start your certification. Scholarships are also available. Learn more and apply today at yournhpa.org rmcp. Welcome to Editorially Speaking, the podcast for the National Hardware and Paint Association. I'm Melanie Mao, the Managing Editor for the Association. On today's episode, we're talking about cybersecurity and how retailers can protect their operations. On this episode, we're talking to Zarmina Wasim, who is the Director of Education for the National Cybersecurity Alliance. Welcome to the episode. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Um, it's exciting to be here. Uh, as I mentioned earlier to you, this is actually really nice for me because I love doing DIY work. So being able to speak to the NHPA is pretty, pretty cool for me. Great. Thanks so much. So tell us a little bit about the National Cybersecurity Alliance and what your role as director of education is there. So we recently changed it when I joined the team. It's director of cybersecurity education, not that that changes a whole lot, but um, the National Cybersecurity Alliance is a public-private partnership. We're a nonprofit organization and public-private partnership is a tongue twister and also hard to understand for people sometimes. So just to explain what that means is that we are partially funded through the Department of Homeland Security, through grants, and we are partially funded through um, board members. So we have private sector and public sector coming together to be able to support the mission of convening partners, amplifying the right voices in the education and awareness spaces and connecting people wherever we can. Um, but the biggest thing for me, my passion as an education and awareness professional is always to make sure that we are providing valuable information and adding value wherever we are. If it's a webinar, if it's a fact sheet or a guide, whatever it is that we are putting out, that's actually something that adds value for our constituents or consumers. So um, this is kind of a timely episode we're doing right now. So we had been planning um, an article that we put in both hardware retailing and paint decorating retailer magazines um, about two retailers who experienced ransomware attacks within the last 18 months. Um, and so we presented their stories anonymously at their request, just because ransomware is, is kind of a, a scary thing. And to put your name out there in association with an attack like that kind of, you know, makes it, makes people who may, uh, commit those crimes more aware of your business and more aware of the industry. So we wanted to tread lightly when presenting those stories. Um, but as we were sending these stories to print over the last couple of weeks, it seems like the headlines are everywhere. Ransomware this, you know, there was um, Colonial Pipeline um, and there was an attack in, in Ireland um, a week or so ago on, a, on their health system. So um, what's, what's kind of going on in the world with these attacks? Why are these incidents making the headlines more frequently, it seems? I think uh, this is a pretty broad 
ranging question or like i guess i feel like it's a very deep reaching question if you will um because like a lot of different topics over the past year or more while everyone's been mostly working from home and things of that nature people have time to pay attention to different topics aside from that we've noticed um cyber incidents went up by over i think 200 percent over the past year uh, and a half at least. So while, you know, gainfully employed impress- uh, professionals and uh, citizens are sitting at home, so are the cyber criminals who are coming up with more and more tactics, more and more ways to attack businesses and consumers. So I think a lot of this is the focus is shifting more towards cybersecurity because if you were already in the field of information security, we saw a lot of very high profile breaches happen um, on a consistent basis, but we think that the general public is more savvy and able to pay attention to this issue now. Um, That's not to say that there aren't more attacks happening now. It's to say that people are paying more attention, not just to the headlines, but are trying to teach themselves what they need to know in order to protect themselves. Because much like identity theft and other things that used to be less frequent. Nowadays, I think the general consumer and even small to medium-sized businesses think more in the realm of, it's not an if it happens, it's usually a when it's going to happen because these things are so common nowadays. You have to be prepared, you have to be resilient. So, yeah. Yeah, that definitely came up um, with the retailers that I was talking to, you know, all the all the consultants that they said that they talked to when they were resolving their issues said the same thing. It's not if it's when. And even though they've already gone through it, they prepared their their businesses to go through it again in the future um, because it's never just, you know, a, a once and done kind of thing. You always are at risk because there are so many different organizations out there that that do these sorts of these sorts of, I don't want to say do these sorts of crimes. Um, well, there there are yeah. all kinds of organizations out there that are doing these, you know, these cybersecurity breaches and hacks. I mean, and you would be correct in order to, in, to call it crime because cybercrime yeah. is very similar to other organized crime, which is why I think a lot of times physical security teams and information security teams, a lot of the skills overlap and a lot of what they're uh making sure that they're like situationally aware of is similar, right? Um, That's why a lot of, I think, military speak still exists in cybersecurity. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. So you touched on it a little bit um, that, you know, everybody's at home right now. And so that's, it's the same for cyber criminals. So you said that, that these incidents have gone up, you know, 200% over the last year or so during the pandemic. are there are there specific incidents that have increased more, or specific um, groups that are that have become more vulnerable? It's a really interesting question. Um, I think there were certain parts of our general population that were always vulnerable that are being a lot more exploited now. So, if you think about senior citizens and you think about people who are not super tech savvy or security savvy those people are being targeted a heck of a lot more than they were in the past. And what I mean is we saw a huge shift and a huge increase in spam mail, in phishing mail 
and a lot of these different ways to get at people. And a lot of people don't know how to differentiate. We're talking about people like my parents who also have a language barrier and may not be able to understand that this is a fake message and stuff like that, right? Right. So a lot of those people getting, instead of getting one phishing message a day, now they're getting like 10 to 16, right? Wow. So it's, it's a numbers game. And usually when I used to train on phishing um, at other organizations, we would talk about how all it takes is that one click, right? So mm -hmm. if you send out a certain number, there's gonna be a percentage that, that does quote unquote fall for it. And it's that percentage that allows them their results. So now they're able to send out a lot more messaging. They're allowed, they're, they're able to spend more time just the mass mailing and the mass messaging that they used to do is a lot, it has a much further reach. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for whatever reason, over the last year or so, I've been getting a lot of spam text messages. Um, and I think, you know, it's people are, have done away for the most part with landlines. And so text messages are the only way to get to people. Um, and, you know, I know how to block a, a caller and delete a thread, but you're right that a different generation, like my mom asked me, how do I delete a text message thread? And it's, it's definitely difficult to explain to somebody when you're talking over the phone or sending screenshots of how to do it. And, and yeah, that is an interesting, um, trying to explain to a demographic of people that don't have, um, that don't have the technical skills um, to, to manage it. Especially if they didn't like grow up with a cell phone, you know, stuff right. like that. It's not yeah. nature for them. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so our audience is primarily small to medium-sized business owners. Um, so uh, what's, what's the risk? What should our retailers um, be considering um, their risk is when they're looking to protect their operations from cybersecurity incidents? So as director of cyber education, part of my job is actually leading the cybersecure my business portfolio, right? Um, and that is gonna be probably evolving to be a uh, cyber secure my organization because we want people to understand that like whether you're um, a, a team at a university or you're like a small newspaper or whoever, um, you can come to us to get some training and materials. But with that being said, currently CSMB serves the small and medium-sized business community. Um, and one of the biggest things that we've been trying to educate and raise awareness on is ransomware, what your previous question, to speak to your previous question as well, uh, what types of attacks have been increasing? I mean, ransomware and phishing is through the roof. I mean, you cannot keep track of it even if you wanted to. The numbers that I was talking about were numbers that came out sort of like a few months after the pandemic started. So I can't imagine what those numbers look like now. Mm, yeah. Um, so for small and medium-sized business owners to protect themselves, I think the smartest thing that they could do is, you know, join uh, a mailing list like ours, where you can be invited to webinars, where you can be informed about tip sheets and different things that you can use in order to make sure that your security hygiene is where it needs to be on a regular basis, whether for you that looks like a monthly basis, a quarterly basis, but make sure that you're doing these kinds of refreshers because security is a lot like 
working out, right? So if you want to build that muscle, you have to continue to use it. So refreshers are important, whether you're a security professional or not. So this is important for business owners, for consumers, et cetera. Um, another thing I would say is that if you're a retailer, you should definitely brush up on PCI compliance. If you have a team that's doing that for you, that's great. Um, if you don't know what PCI compliance is, it's payment card, uh, payment card industry. Um, so anyone who's running those transactions should be familiar with that term and understand what that compliance means as well. Yeah. One of the, one of the takeaways that, um, one of the retailers I spoke to for my story was, was he really wanted to key in that cybersecurity is not just the IT staff or your IT vendor's responsibility. It is, you know, the, the leader of the organization and every staff member has a role to play. So can you talk a little bit about that, you know, in a, it, from the CEO to the cashier, what's there, what can they do to help? Oh, 100%. So in the past, we've been taught that security is a team sport, but I think what we need to hone in on now is that security is actually your responsibility. Security is every single person's responsibility. So as you mentioned, that means whether you're a chief executive or whether you're a cashier or you're part of the custodial staff, People overlook things like that all the time. Like your custodial staff actually has access to some of the most sensitive documentation you've ever used in your organization. You know, so don't ever overlook what someone's role is um, and don't ever underestimate what your role is, even if you are, you know, a cashier or you're a contractor or you're a part-timer, it's up to you to know and understand what you're handling and how that affects the security of your organization. One of the things that I like to tell people um, whenever I'm training is whether you know it or not, you're holding a million dollar cell phone and you're holding a million dollar laptop. You don't see it that way because the information you have in there is relevant to your everyday use. But someone who doesn't have that information can use it to do a lot of harm if given the chance. So that, and that the million dollars is not just a value of the information. The million dollars also speaks to the cost of what happens when there's a data breach or a cyber crime that a company has to recover from. It doesn't, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. Um, is that like the average cost for most businesses, a million dollars? That's a tough one. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we just know that Colonial Pipeline paid like over four million for their ransomware. So like, but but we don't know exactly how that was broken down. If that was, you know, if that included, if that was the ransom, or if that was, you know, consultant fees and and expert and you know and experts and all of that. So honestly, that the average is so so quickly evolving that we could I couldn't give you like a specific number, but. Um, depending on the size of the business or what level your enterprise is at, you know, national, international, regional, statewide, city, et cetera, um, those numbers could be much higher or they can be yeah. low. It just depends on the size of the business. So, yeah. Um, so you touched on the two kind of common incidents are ransomware and phishing. So can we break those down for our listeners so they kind of understand the difference and and kind of what the goals are for the people who are who were taking on these these crimes? Yeah. Um, so 
ransomware, and the reason I bring up phishing is I think people are very familiar with um, SMS phishing or text message phishing, which has mm -hmm. gone up like an insurmountable amount. Um, and those are the types of tactics that cyber criminals will employ to get to attacks as large and technical as ransomware. So what I mean when I say that is that when they send you a phishing link and you click on it, there might be another website that executes some kind of malware that is a form of ransomware. They might send you an attachment that has um, malware attached to it. If you download that attachment, it is now on your computer. Your computer is connected to a network of computers. If you're in a company that provides devices, um, and if, especially if you're on a company network, like it, it's it's out there in the wild now, right? So one of the things that I'll highlight here is I think most people are familiar with security trainings. Uh, a lot of companies have security refreshers and awareness trainings on a yearly or quarterly basis. And people seem so tired of hearing about phishing all the time. Mm -hmm. This is one of those times where I will say that whether it is government related, whether it's oil and gas related, it really doesn't matter what industry you're in, it could affect you at any given point. I mean, just like last week or the week before, we were all concerned about gas prices and gas stations on the East Coast. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. it can actually affect our everyday lives if we don't practice the right security habits and practices. Yeah. Yeah. What are some of those best practices that associate level employees can can work on while they are in a hardware store? So I would say, I'm sure every employee has their own login information, et cetera. Don't ever share that information with somebody else. Um, make sure that if you are, whether you're in an office or you're at a cash register or wherever you are, if you're typing in a password, it should be um, common practice that other employees turn away from you while you're typing in your password. Um, and that's something that that's kind of like a culture thing that that you have to you have to individually be like, hey, would, would you mind turning around? And then people will know next time that they need to turn around. Um, if your company has access to password managers or things of that nature. I think password security is really important. Um, one of the things to remember with that is you don't wanna be utilizing the same password over and over. So password recycling is way out of style um, and hackers and cyber criminals know that people reuse their passwords. One of the most dangerous things anyone could do is use the same passwords for things at work as they do in their regular life because not only are you putting the company at risk, but now you're putting yourself at risk for identity theft and fraud. So you wanna be careful about what you reuse and you wanna make sure that you're using long passwords and complex passwords, which is again, one of the reasons we encourage the use of password managers because a lot of times they can generate a strong and complex password for you. Um, I would also say, aside from using materials from 
organizations like the National Cybersecurity Alliance, you can visit the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency's website. They have a Cyber Essentials Toolkit um, that prepares organizations, no matter what sector they're in, for understanding um, on a foundational level the things that they should. And if you're ever the victim of a, of a breach or something like that, you can visit the FTC's website. They have a lot of guidance on things like that. If you can utilize two-factor authentication, that will be the thing um, that saves you off very often because you're gonna get a notification on your phone sometimes that someone's trying to log in or uh, that this is the string of numbers and letters you need to use in order to sign in, right? So we treat that as the deadbolt on the door. So if you're leaving your house and there's no one else home, I mean, you're gonna use the deadbolt or you should <laughs> anywhere in America. Yeah. Those were the two um, big takeaways from like an operation standpoint that the that the retailers shared. So so password security and and two factor authentication. You know, after they had their incidents, they they made those shifts company wide. Um, so they were able to to learn from their mistakes, especially with password security. So um, one thing that that these retailers talked about was um, just weak passwords on for administrator accounts. Um, so, you know, those are the accounts that, you know, maybe several executives need access to. And so everybody needs to know the one password. Um, and so they just make it simple. Um, but then those are probably the most, um, the most important documents or the most important information that your company has um, because the higher ups need access to it. And so that was, um, that was a risk um, that was at stake for those companies when they, when they, when their data was, was stolen. Yeah, no, that's a big thing. Um, I think a few years ago, I think it was a credit bureau that I will not name um, mm -hmm. that was breached because of something similar. So there was like, a really simple password of like admin or password mm. and it's like notorious for larger companies to do this um if you are a business that can afford a password manager the smartest thing you can do if you have to share a password is utilize a password manager because more often than not there will be a way for you to securely share a password amongst users without exposing it to the public because if you're using a password manager it's going to be an encrypted um uh vault if you will sure so yeah and i mean we even you know my husband uses a password manager for for our accounts and for and for his accounts and so it's you know it's accessible on a consumer level so it's definitely accessible um for for the majority of businesses i would imagine um as far as the cost is concerned and i i guess some of the other things i would caution people about is on social media and things like that, people tend to share information that they think is innocuous or irrelevant or whatever, but these are treasure troves of information. If someone is trying to fish you at work, especially for leadership, I think this is really important. Um, at an executive level, if you're high profile anywhere within your industry, you have to be really careful about what you share and don't share, whether it's inside the company or whether it's in your personal life, because sure. anybody can go on 
you know, LinkedIn or Facebook. And if there's public information that you haven't changed your audience from public to private, they can look up a lot of different things like your date of birth, the new house you just bought and what city it's in. They can gather tons of information without you ever knowing that someone searched your name. So, yeah. you know, stuff like that, I think is really important. If a retailer thinks they've been breached, what are some recommended first steps they should take? That's a toughie. Again, that depends on the size of the organization. I think um, if they have their own security team already, the first place to start is make sure that your security team is aware. If they have an incident response arm, the incident response team will get to work on it right away. It depends on what kind of breach it is, right? Right. Because I say like, go through and change all your passwords before you get started on anything else. Yeah. Um, but it really depends like if it's that kind of breach because other breaches are like your information has been leaked somewhere and mm -hmm. someone else has access to it now or there's right. your private information that has become public and that's a that's a different kind of breach that's like a legal breach right right so in in the articles that that um are going to be available as when this podcast is live um the two retailers discovered um, that there were there were code there was code basically that said we're holding your data for ransom for a certain amount of money um, and you have to pay it before we're going to give you access to your data again. Um, and so in these cases, one of them had ransomware insurance and the other one didn't. Um, and um, it was. Um, for both, it happens to be a Friday morning. Um, so if, if a retailer, you know, if somebody listening here happens to go into the office on a Friday morning and they don't have access to any of their data and they see a note that says, you have to pay me money to get your data back, what's kind of the first step? How should they, you know, what should they do um, after they maybe panic a little? Again, if the companies are large enough that they have a security team, make sure that your security team is completely up to speed, whether they're working from home or not, um, whether they are having an off day or not, the day of a breach, everyone is on call. That's every security professional knows that. Um, and as soon as you get everybody up to speed, making sure that whatever measures need to be taken um, to prevent this ever happening again in, in the spirit of resiliency and business continuity that those steps are taken. So one, I would say definitely make sure that they have the insurance. And two, I would say educating your employee population on how this attack could have happened. Because if people who are using company machines don't understand how malware is delivered and how ransomware actually happens, then it's it's a setup for it to happen again, right? Sure. So if you don't have training or education and awareness materials for your staff to understand why it's important to always double check who sent you an email or whether or not they should think twice about whether they needed the attachment in that email or you know, if this link looks fishy or not, stuff like that, if we start at the basics, I think uh, we can prevent a lot of these things. 
And then if we're not able to prevent them, then having intrusion detection and intrusion prevention systems is of the utmost importance. When when a business is in a breach or in a cybersecurity incident, what level of communication internally is kind of recommended? You know, who who within the company should know what's going on? More often than not, I would say it has to be the executive team and it has to be the security team. And it's up to the chief information security officer who on his or her team has all the information they need. Because sometimes you only need to get your incident response team out of bed. Sometimes you have to get the entire team out of bed, depending Mm -hmm. on the size and the scope and all those things, right? So... um, Yeah, definitely make sure the security team is involved. Make sure that your executives are aware so that they can communicate what needs to be communicated or they can make sure that no one else finds out until things have gotten under control or completely mitigated. Um, And one of the things that the wonderful world of security has taught me is that when you're talking to your team about a breach, you have to have an out of band communication. Basically what that means is you may not want to be talking about this via email with all of your executives. You may want to have an encrypted chat somewhere, or you may want to have a specific line that you only use dedicated to emergencies or breaches. Um, Something that someone cannot tap into easily because if someone's already on your network, you don't know what else they might have access to at the time. And that might seem like overkill, but when you've been breached, there no, there's no such thing as being overly cautious. So, right. All right. Well, um, I think we're kind of at the point where we're wrapping up. So I want to ask a very open-ended question of you. Um, if there was, if there was anything that you wish the average person knew or understood about cybersecurity, what would it be? One thing is just, Never, ever, 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 under any circumstances, leave your device unlocked. Mm. It doesn't matter if you're in a space with a bunch of employees that you know really well, and you guys are friends, and you go to happy hour every week, and all of that stuff. Uh, Don't do it. Just don't do it. Um, Because even if you're letting employee X onto your computer, and they're using it to check something real quick, you don't know what their security hygiene is like, and then you don't know if they're using a recycled password and somebody's been able to break it and they haven't signed out of their Gmail account while they're on your computer and all this crazy stuff, right? You don't have to include all, I'm just giving you an example, right? Um, And I would say, I think what I said before, just understanding that your computer and your laptop is a million dollar device in the hands of someone who doesn't know any of the things that you know. Because people don't think that they're a target, but if I teach them how to do a threat model on themselves, they quickly understand that like, oh yeah, my information is valuable. I just don't know that because I use it everything. So the same way that you may not talk about your salary or your social security number or all these other really sensitive topics uh, out in public, just because they're sitting inside your cell phone doesn't mean that you're secure. Well, thanks so much for your time. Um, I really appreciate all these insights. And I think um, the, you know, the retailer listeners we have here, um, it's definitely a learning curve. 
Um, but it's something that as is um, obvious from the from the headlines in recent months and weeks, um, it is something that we need to take seriously in our industry. So I definitely appreciate your time. Um, and I will direct retailers to your organization where they can get the resources they need and, and additional information. So thanks so much for your time today, Zarmina. Absolutely. Thanks again to Zarmina Wasim from the National Cybersecurity Alliance for joining us on today's episode. I wanted to give you a little bit more information about her organization and tell you where you can find the resources and programs it offers. The National Cybersecurity Alliance builds strong public-private partnerships to create and implement broad-reaching education and awareness efforts to empower users at home, work, and school with the information they need to keep themselves, their organizations, their systems, and their sensitive information safe and secure online and encourage a culture of cybersecurity. The NCSA achieves its mission by convening partners who recognize strength in the security collective, educating individuals on cybersecurity best practices, amplifying collective efforts to increase cybersecurity awareness. And through programs like CyberSecure My Business, a national program helping small and medium-sized businesses learn to be safer and more secure online. Learn more about how you can protect your business and about the programs the NCSA offers at staysafeonline.org.